Hey, fellow mathers, do you have limited classroom time? Do you want to make the biggest, best impact on your students that you can? Then you need to start here with the Math is Figureoutable Challenge. It's three one-hour sessions of the quickest and most powerful ways to reach the most students with the most math. We're having special guest Jenna Labe. Mark your calendars for May 15th through 17th at 7 p.m. Central and watch this space to find out when registration opens. If you can't make those times, you'll want to register anyway so you can get access to the session recordings. And now, on to the episode. Hey, fellow mathematicians! Welcome to the podcast where math is figure outable. I'm Pam. And I'm Kim. And we're here to suggest that mathematizing is not about mimicking or rote memorizing, but it's about thinking and reasoning, about creating and using mental mathematical relationships. That mathematics class can be less like it has been for so many of us and more like mathematicians working together. We answer the question, if algorithms are not your end goal, then what is? Yeah. So we've seen a lot of different ideas out there about how to learn fractions. And two weeks ago, we started um, a series and we talked about five interpretations of rational number. And last week, we talked about half with young learners. We believe that the best way for kids to gain intuition or to get a feel for fractions is to gain experience about them. Absolutely. So, Kim, we're going to exemplify this idea today by an experience that you had with your sons. You have two sons. Tell us about that experience. Go. Okay. So a couple years ago, it was probably five years now. Um, (laughs) Wait, a couple? Five? Okay, five years. (laughs) Um, That's probably the word that I say incorrectly all the time. Couple is probably what, two? Anywho, Uh, um, I I just found this video and it was precious because they were five years younger and I just watched it again. But here's the story. So I had these little bunt cakes, these little kind of like buntinis in our freezer. And there was a chocolate one and a vanilla one. And so I wanted to pull them out and I wanted to share them among Luke and Cooper and myself. And so I pulled them out and I called Luke over and I said, hey, Luke, I've got these two bunt cakes how much would we each get? Only and- you would do this, by the way. But the more of us should. More of us should think about this. Um, I don't know that I ever said how much. Like, we just eyeball. Anyway, so super, super. Me. Keep going. So he had just turned eight. It was the summer, and he had just turned eight, like, the week before. And right away, he said two-thirds. And I said, how do you know that we're each going to get two-thirds? And um, so we dove into his thinking, and he was thinking about splitting each of those cake into thirds. So the chocolate one into one-third, 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 and the vanilla one into one-third, 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 and dealing out a third of the chocolate to each of us and a third of the vanilla to each of us, right? That makes sense. And it was a fine splitting into unit fraction strategy. Okay, I have to pause you for a second. I actually had to think about that. So if they're in thirds, there's two of them and they're in thirds. Mm -hmm. I get a third of chocolate and I get a third of vanilla. You Mm -hmm. get a third of chocolate, you get a third of vanilla, Mm -hmm. and the other kid gets a third of chocolate. Okay, and that's then they're all gone. Okay, cool. Yeah, that works. All right. But then he said, um, mom, I only like the chocolate one. <laughs> a and, kid after my own heart. <laughs> mom, I only like the chocolate one and you can't have the chocolate one. So that's going to be a problem. That's, that's like problematic. And it was so fantastic because then it was a great problem for us to have, right? It made us like think a little bit further and it led him to try to figure out how we could fair share the cakes so that we'd each get two thirds 
but also take the flavors into consideration. And and frankly, what he wasn't thinking about at that time was let's just trade. Like it was like a new, it was a new scenario. He went back to the idea that these there's these two whole bunt cakes and I want to cut them so that we each get a fair share. And honestly, in this video that I watched, you know, when he was eight, he tried to give some away. He was like, let's, let's just give some to dad. And he tried to say <laughs> that he didn't need as much. He's wait, like, wait, 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 wait. Like he could just give some to dad and then it was easier to share yeah. fairly. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it, it was like a new problem for him, right? It was like a Interesting. new a new thing to solve. And he tried to say, well, I don't need as much. So like, if you give me all chocolate, maybe I'll take a less portion. And eventually he did settle on him getting two-thirds chocolate, me getting two-thirds vanilla, and Cooper getting one-third of each. Nice. So he, you know, he kind of, he kind of worked through that. And interestingly was that he said that wasn't equal for each of it until he considered it again. At, at first he said, Oh, I'm not really sure if that's equal. And I had him talk through what, you know, what he had just said, two thirds chocolate for you, for me, two third vanilla for you, mom, and one third of each flavor for Cooper. And it was such an interesting conversation. And then he well, was like, and, can I be done? <laughs> and I, I just want to point out, Part of what is so noteworthy about this story is that you, listeners, I don't know if you caught it, but Kim was like, I mean, obviously he could have just traded and, but for him, it was a new problem and everything. Yeah. So in the moment you were clear, dude, just trade and, and we're good. But you let him do the considering. You yeah. let him do the grappling. This is what we mean by productive struggle. He's yeah. interested in it. She can go with it. Even if you didn't sort of know the outcome, it would be worth just kind of letting everybody, the system sort of grapple with the question. Nicely done. And okay, he wanted well, a cake, right? He was motivated. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You have two kids. So what was Cooper doing? Yeah. So Cooper, um, you know, Cooper was hanging out because he wants one cake. And, and when Luke said, <laughs> when Luke said, okay, I'm oh, oh, well, and, and to be clear, Cooper's younger. So that's just, well, yes. Yeah, so Cooper had just turned five. It was like, you know, they have really close birthdays. He had just turned five being like, two days before or something. And, um, Luke walked away and, and it was super cute and super fun for me because he jumped in the conversation and he, and he said, I have an idea. (laughs) (laughs) And when Luke walked away, Cooper jumped up on the counter and he talked about how to split those two bunt cakes. If their dad had been home, if my husband was there and it was ideal because we talked about two cakes being four halves. He said, you can cut this one in half and you can cut this one in half and we each get one half. And I said, and how many halves will we have? And he said, four halves. And we got to talk about four halves being two holes. And then we got to talk about whether or not he would get more bunt cake if there were the three of us there, or if he would get more bunt cake if their dad was home and there were four of us there. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. All the vocabulary, all the things. That is so cool. But Kim, you, in that instance, that time, you had time with your kids. It was a real experience. You actually had two bunt cakes yeah. to share with three people. We can't do that in class, right? <laughs> well, actually, right? One of our, <laughs> and probably where I got some inspiration was that one of our favorite rich tasks is one that we use and tweak based on um, Kathy Fosno's sub-sandwich problem. And mm-hmm. we, you and I, have done this a lot with kids of varying ages. I mean, a lot. Yeah, a and lot. what's super cool is that we get to have different conversations, different congresses with different outcomes based on the goal for that group. So let's tell, let's tell a little bit. So the sub-sandwich problem. 
Yeah, so maybe we'll just mention that this is from uh, Kathy Fosno's Field Trips and Fundraisers, and we'll put the uh, the link to that in the show notes. Like you said, we've tweaked it a little bit. Go ahead and tell us the problem. Okay, so the problem is that there are these this class of kids are going on a field trip, and the teacher has organized these parent volunteers, and she's going to send a group of students off to one location in the city and a different group of kids with different numbers off to a different location in the city. And for lunch, rather than the kids bringing their own lunch, They've organized these long sub sandwiches to share among the group. So there's one group has eight kids in it and they're sharing seven subs. And another group has five kids and they're sharing four subs. Then there's another group with five kids and they're sharing three subs. And then there's a last group that has four kids and they're sharing three subs. And so the, the, the story, the context is you've got these kids are sharing the subs and they want to know was it fair? And to be clear, subs or sub sandwiches are sort of those big, long sandwiches. Mm-hmm. I know you said that, but just because uh, we're colloquial, just cutting it off, cutting and calling them subs. So they're just these big sandwiches that are too big. Right. So y'all, you might want to write those numbers down um, because we're going to do, we're going to actually dive in and do a lot of work. You might want to think about, was the situation fair? Did, did each kid get the same amount of sandwich? Um, and think about that. If you've done this problem before, just keep listening. But if you haven't done it, you might want to like, Think about how much of a sub did each kid get in each of those sort of different locations. Yeah. If you have, uh, if so, you want them to stop, right? Stop and take some time. Yeah. And work pause the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Better, better if you have thought about it a little bit, because what we're going to do is what we would never want to do in class. We're just going to like now kind of tell you a bunch of stuff. We're yeah. going to kind of share with you some of the results that happen after you've grappled with those relationships. So we want to give you guys a chance to grapple first because uh, the learning is better that way. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a ton of cool things that we could talk about with this rich task. Mm-hmm. We'll see how many we could get to today in the podcast. Let's see if we can. So go Kim, let's go. Okay. So we worked um, with this with some third graders, right? Like we're mm-hmm. talking about a specific instance um, we've done third graders through adults. So when I went into a third grade class, I launched the problem. I sent the kids off to work and I expected to see a couple of the challenges that I saw, but there was this one thing that happened that I didn't anticipate with this particular group. And it's that they were struggling to name the pieces. You know, I, I thought that would be something that they could handle right away, but it was interesting to me because when they cut, well, and in fact, because the teacher that you went into, this is not your group of kids, right? You went into a, and you said, tell me what the kids have done with fractions. And she said, oh, we've done everything we need to this year. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. you were really clear that if you'd cut something equally into three pieces, kids should be able to call that one third, sure, you know, each of the sure. pieces one third. Or if you cut it into nine pieces, kids should be able to call that one ninth. Mm-hmm. That should be a beginning third grade task. So you were really clear. So you were a little surprised when there were some students who struggled to name the pieces. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and you alluded to this um, in an earlier episode, I think maybe it was last week, two weeks ago, sorry. But when they cut a sandwich into halves, they could easily call it one half and one half. They could label those two pieces. But when they got one of those halves and they had to cut it in half again to make two one-fourths, so they had one half and then they had the other half cut into half to make two one-fourths, they now wanted to call those pieces one-third and one-third because they had three pieces. So in reality, they had half a sandwich and a fourth and a fourth. But they were calling those three, uh, they were calling those three pieces equally one thirds. They're calling it half of a sandwich and a third of a sandwich and a third of a sandwich. 
Yeah, because they sort of saw three pieces. And so yeah. their kind of limited understanding was if I see three pieces, right. regardless of the fact that they're not the same size, yeah. then I'm going to call them one third. Right. Yeah, cool. So notice the numbers in the in the problem that we gave you uh, a minute ago and how nicely they're chosen. When I was watching the video of you doing this with these third grade kids, you said, what are you guys thinking? Was it fair? And a couple of kids were like, I don't think it's fair. I think it's fair. They didn't really have a lot of reasons. And you called on one kid. I'll never forget. He goes, well, it's not fair because there's a five and a five and a four and a four and a three and a mm -hmm. five and a four. And I was like, and you even said, whoa, like your eyes got kind of big. I knew that you kind of, you followed what he did, but you were also really clear that the rest of the class did not, right? The yeah. rest of the class was like, what would just happen here? Because he literally was sort of pulling some of those numbers out. So let me slow down a little bit. There's a five and a five and a four and a four and a three and a five and a four and a five. What was he talking about? So one of the things that this uh, wonderful young man was talking about was he was comparing the same number of kids getting different amounts of, or different numbers of sub sandwiches. Yeah. So for example, in the problem, five kids sharing four sub sandwiches went one place and five kids sharing three sandwiches went a different place. And so he was really clear, five and a five and a four and three, like that doesn't, what he means is if five kids are sharing four sandwiches, they're going to get more than five kids sharing three sandwiches. Like it's the same number of kids sharing more sandwiches. They get mm -hmm. more, five, same number of kids sharing less sandwiches, they get less. So he was, he was clear on that right away that it wasn't fair. So that's an example of same denominator, because we could think about four subs shared among five kids. That's like four subs to five kids. So four fifths of a sub per kid and three subs shared among five kids. That's like three fifths of a sub per kid. So we're sort of comparing four fifths to three fifths. That's like same denominator, but totally thinking about it in context about how I could reason about which one was greater. Uh, and context helps. Yeah. It's reason. It's a great example. Yeah. And so you can also compare. And I think, I think one of the other things he pulled out was when the number of the subs is the same. So there was a group mm -hmm. that had three subs shared by four kids, or there were three subs shared by five kids. And comparing three-fourths of a sub per kid and three-fifths of a sub per kid, since the numerator was the same, you can compare the denominators. And really, the context makes it so nice because more kids sharing means that you're going to get less per kid. More kids sharing the same number of sandwiches right. means that you get less. Yeah, totally yeah. cool. So then in the scenario, the kids get to work. Or in your, it, yeah, in my group. In your group, the kids get to work and they're splitting up the sandwiches because you actually say to them to determine if it's fair, figure out how much of a sandwich each kid gets in each, uh, how much, yeah, how much of a sandwich each kid gets in each group, right? Yep. So one of the strategies that we consistently see, whether we do this with third grade kids or fourth or fifth or adults, we see this strategy that I think is kind of the smart volunteer strategy. Like the volunteer that went with the kids is cutting up the sandwiches and it's to cut to start by cutting sandwiches in half. Mm -hmm. So they create halves and they give everybody a half of a sandwich and then they're left with some pieces and they cut those up. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I'm in the scenario where I've got three, I got to think for a second, where I've got three subs shared with four kids 
then I'm going to take those three subs and I'm going to cut the first one in half and you get a half and you get a half. And Mm -hmm. now the second one in half and you get a half and you get a half. Now each of the four kids have a half. Right. And I've gotten rid of two of the subs out of the three subs. Yep. But now I have a sub sandwich left. What do I do to, to split those up? And so this is kind of the general idea where they sort of, they get rid of the halves and then they deal out the leftovers. So one of the strategies to compare who got more, which group did that they determine it's not fair. And so then you're deciding which group got more is to just sort of kind of do what they did as they were dealing out. Well, if everybody got a half of a, of a sandwich and then we divvied up the leftovers, each group that happened, then we can just like ignore the halves and just compare the leftovers. So for example, one of the groups gets a half of a sub sandwich plus a fourth of a sub sandwich. That's the group actually I was just talking about the three subs shared among four kids, because after you've split out the halves, you're left with one sub, one sub sandwich left to split among four kids. Then they each get a fourth. And to save time, I'll just say that in one other group, each of the kids gets a half plus a fifth of a sandwich. So you have these two groups where each student in each group got, uh, in the one group, they got a half plus a fourth of a sandwich. And in the other group, they got a half plus a fifth of a sandwich. Well, now you just can end up comparing a fourth of a sandwich to a fifth of a sandwich. So important where now we're comparing unit fractions. And so since all of these are unit fractions where we're giving each kid a fair share of the next piece to cut up, kids are really sort of ingrained in this idea of what unit fractions are and how to compare those unit fractions. So great outcome for that strategy. Yeah. And so in, in, in another scenario, you just talked about, um, splitting, dealing out half first. Mm -hmm. There's another strategy that a lot of kids do and they cut, the students would cut each sandwich into all of the pieces. So in the group where four kids are sharing three subs, three subs per four kids, each sub gets cut into four pieces. And they deal them out. So they cut the first sub into fourths and you get a fourth, you get a fourth, you get a fourth. And the last kid gets a fourth. And they keep doing that with each sandwich. And all the kids have these tiny pieces. And then they count the number of pieces that each kid got. Since they cut up three sandwiches, each kid got three one-fourths, three of those one-fourth pieces. So like one-fourth from each sandwich or three-fourths of a sub per kid. Because when you put those three one-fourths together, like smoosh them into a sandwich, that's three-fourths <laughs> of a sandwich. Totally cool. And so this is the the strategy that I think is not maybe what a, a, a real volunteer would do as they're right. trying to cut up, right? Because all now you have all these little tiny pieces. Can you picture that if I cut up every sandwich into those fourths, and, I, and like you said, each kid gets a fourth, somebody's going to get the end every time. <laughs> sandwich, right? And so you got one kid that gets three one-fourths, but they get the heel every time. It's not very nice. I don't know. So, so uh but, but it is actually a very typical strategy because it's sure. sort of uh, easier for kids to go, well, if I got four kids, I'm just going to take each sandwich and divide it evenly. And now yeah. the next sandwich and divide it evenly. That's kind of a, a way to think about that. So interestingly, the kids in my scenario cut unit fractions, but they're all different size unit yeah. fractions because they were looking at different holes, mm-hmm. different units. They started with a whole sandwich and cut as many as they could into equal halves, but then they cut those halves into pieces, which means the unit shifted. Now, as I cut that half into halves, I I divide a half into two pieces. Now I'm thinking about what's half of a half. And so that's the unit shifting. It's what's the whole. That's really interesting. We're reunitizing. It's one of the things that makes fraction so hard is that we have to be really careful about what the whole is. 
But Kim, in your scenario, kids were cutting each sandwich into the same size pieces always from one whole sub. Their unit never shifted, right? So yep. it was always, I'm going to take this whole sub and cut it into all these little unit fractions. Yep. Either way, a super great beginning way to mess with fractions. Notice that both are all about unit fractions, where the numerator is one. Yeah. So how do kids compare in that scenario? Since they've been cutting those tiny pieces, fourths in the group that shared among four kids and fifths in the group that had five kids and eighths in the group that had eight kids, they're really clear on the size of those tiny unit fractions, the tiny pieces of sandwiches. So now when they compare, sometimes a really cool strategy comes out. What's really cool is that they can compare the amount of subs by thinking about how much a student didn't get. If oh, a, I love this strategy. Yeah, so if a cool. kid got four-fifths of a sub, they didn't get one-fifth of a sub. And if a kid got seven-eighths of a sub, they didn't get an eighth of a sub. And they can still use uh, unit fractions to compare. They can consider how much to the next whole sub. Oh, that's so important. Yeah. So I can think about how three-fourths of a sub compares to four-fifths of a sub mm -hmm. compares to that seven-eighths of a sub. And those are numbers from the problem because they look like often kids will look at it and go, well, I don't know, like they're all close to the whole sub, yep. but how close are they? Yeah. Oh, they're just a unit fraction away. So they could use what they know about the size of those unit fractions to help them think about the whole fraction. So cool. So many important things happen when we focus on a well-written purposefully planned rich task. In this case, sharing fairly. Students get a chance to develop unit fractions and get a great sense for their size and also what happens when you combine them, that three one-fourths is three-fourths. Students get a chance to reunitize what is a fifth of a half mm -hmm. of a sandwich. Students get to start developing the strategy of comparing fractions by looking at how far the fraction is from the whole, how far that unit, well, how far the fraction is from the whole by looking at the unit fraction. Uh, so many cool and important notions about fractions. Then, y'all, after I do a rich task like this with students, I'd want to do a problem string to help solidify yep. some little part of that. So cool. Stay tuned because we are going to continue to talk about how to build fraction sense in our students and even get to some fraction operations coming up. I'm so excited. Yep. So y'all remember to join us on Math Strat Chat on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram on Wednesday eves where we explore problems with the world. Hey, if you find the podcast helpful, would you please rate it and give us a review? That way more people can find it wherever they get podcasts. Yeah, and don't forget that we're collecting your questions that you want answered. Send those to Kim at mathisfigureoutable.com. Kim, do you like how we're sending them to you? And yeah, I love it. Love it. Because <laughs> Kim, Kim will keep them um, <laughs> and keep it organized. <laughs> yeah, she will lose them. She'll keep them organized. And we'll tackle those questions in an upcoming episode coming soon. So send those in soon so we can, uh, we can make that happen. So if you're interested to learn more mathematics and you want to help yourself and your students develop as mathematicians, then don't miss the Math is Figure Outable podcast because math is figure outable. Thank you for listening and making math more figure outable. Remember, we're going to be opening registration for the Math is Figure Outable challenge soon. Mark your calendar from May 15th through 17th. You are not going to want to miss these free PD evenings where you'll learn four routines you need in your classroom that are naturally engaging and encourage students to think mathematically. And remember, if you can't make those times, registering gets you access to the recordings. Keep making math figure outable.